It is Tuesday. RawMikeRichards.com. Broadcasting live from the DKI Canada Studios, 234 King Street East, out of the Pacific Junction Hotel. Coming up today, we talk to our good friend Paul Hendrick. Not only the uh, finals, that is the Stanley Cup finals, we'll talk of the movement within the Leafs organization. Of course, the Marlies get ready for a Calder Cup final. How well has that worked out since the Leafs have put that in place? Last night's game, as there were fireworks and whatever that stuff is they do before the game starts. Now, the Michael Buffer thing was awesome. The Michael Buffer thing was really cool. But the whole, geez, I don't know, the sword fighters who can't skate and then drummers with, I don't know, like a, like a Game of Thrones, but not really. Also, more uh, discussion, crazy enough, with uh, Johnny Manziel, where you have guys like Eric Mangini now talking on, a, on an American football talk show on whether he's going to start or not. They're starting to look at the actual foundation of a CFL team on who's going to start. It's unbelievable. Also, Golden State, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. <laughs> Steph Curry, it's just, it's like, you know, when you, you play PlayStation or, or, or you have, you know, whatever it is that you have, Xbox, and you get to control and you get you get Steph Curry. That's what That's what it looked like last night in the fourth quarter. So that's uh, what we're going to have uh, in terms of a final. So that is uh, the Cavs and Golden State. Uh, the question for me is, you know, the NBA rarely is really completely straightforward when you when you weigh both things on both sides, the talent on both sides. Does Cleveland win a game? Does Cleveland get one game? Do you yeah, think? of course they do. You think they yeah, get a game? Absolutely, they do. Uh, LeBron James might be playing his best basketball ever, and that's that's kind of hard to sit there and comprehend ever it's like uh well that last game dave i wouldn't disagree you know um is 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 golden state a horrendous matchup for the cleveland cavaliers yeah it is it really is um you know it just it almost seems that lebron james is um forever a finalist when it comes to uh, him and the cleveland cavaliers i mean he's been there every single year for almost a decade now uh, hasn't cashed in as much just because of the team that's around him. And, um, yeah, it's um, – you know what? I'd like to say it's going to be an interesting final, but I, I really think it's going to be done in about five games. I think it's maybe five. Maybe six. I think it's five. If they get a game because in the NBA, rarely, as I said, does it work out to be the pure sport math with a way better team, you know, with more, more talent, more depth, uh, goes out and blows away a team – I just think that, you know, in, in one of those first four games, is there one at home where it's, you know, LeBron scoring God knows how many points, how many, like, you can't play more minutes. I mean, they only have 48, and he's playing basically all of them. When you have to put in that kind of time, suck up those kinds of minutes, how do you get through a seven-game series? Now, crazier things have happened, i.e. the Vegas uh, Golden Knights. Right. I mean, as, as soon as you want to say something's predictable, uh, you you got to take a look around the world and, and see. Look, if you had told me in that Champions League final, Dave, that uh, is it Karras? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, that? the goaltender for Liverpool. Have you ever seen goals like that at that at that level? At that level in a championship final? No. And there were two of them. Yeah. And I talked to a couple of my German friends and he's, uh, they said to me, don't worry. He's the German third keeper on the national right. team. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of figured you wouldn't stand for that garbage. <laughs> so uh, so he will be eliminated? Well, yes. Is he, that what you're saying? Yeah, he, he will get the jersey, though. Um, but he'll have a, a nice seat on the bench. And uh, outside of, um, you know, a horrific accident happening to the two in front of him, he won't see time at all. No. So it's no surprise, no surprise. I mean, the guy was crushed, and people were just, People were making comments about his crying. And I got to tell you, if you watch the highlight after the game, Dave, so there's all the Liverpool supporters, all the Scousers, all sitting there in red. Yep. And he goes up to, uh, you know, clapping his hands and then and then sort of putting his hands over his heart like, I'm sorry. 
Yeah. That was hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. And I felt for the guy. So the fact that his tears wasn't that he sat about himself. His tears were about that he had let down the entire team, yeah. franchise, the history of Liverpool, all those fans. That's what was crushing him. It wasn't just, you know, wah, I let in a goal. That was really hard to take. So people were kind of mocking him about his crying. I said, well, uh, if any of you have been that far in sports, I clearly don't know who you are, or you're really famous. Mm. <laughs> or you played in the Champions League game and what? But but Wally, you, I just see you mowing the lawn every day. I didn't know you played that level of sport because I saw the comments. Like these are the kinds of things that I sort of look at people and go, "Man, you gotta, you just gotta understand someone's someone's pain in that situation." Uh, last night, uh, boy, <laughs> I'm used to most NHL finals, Davis. You know, you get closer and how tight things are, and you're just grinding it out for every goal you can. And last night, it's fireworks. It was uh, way more than I expected. Five and a half was the goal totals. We kind of hinted at going over. I didn't think it was going to hit 10. <laughs> um, Almost over in the first period. I'd love to know where that goaltending from Marc-Andre Fleury was in the previous series. Um, oh, I see what you're doing there. You're you going know, back to some yeah. more, more anger there. And yeah. I'd like to know, you know, from a Tampa Bay perspective, where that goaltending <laughs> was against Tampa Bay, because both goaltenders were very average yeah. at best yesterday. I was kind of kind of disappointing. But you know what? Goals are a lot of fun, though, too, right? I, I mean, I, I loved watching that aspect of it. But, man. Okay, so here's I, a question, because you're a baseball guy, too. Yeah. You're a baseball guy, too. Yeah. So if I go to the baseball, I'm not a baseball purist. So if I see uh, a crazy 7-6 uh, game, I'm all excited. But usually the baseball peers can go out there, watch a one nothing game if it's some sort of masterful pitching performance, and think that's just as good. Yeah, so does absolutely. It work, so does it work both ways? Do you think that the purist wasn't big on last night's game? If you're a hockey purist, maybe, that wasn't maybe, what you Maybe a little bit, yeah. Uh, hockey purists would sit there and scratch their head that there was a Vegas team in the final, first off. Um, second part of it is, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, there's a lot of great 3-2 games, 4-3 games, 3-1 games, 2-1 games out there. But all in all, you know... A lot of capitalization on on mistakes. Um, I'm glad that it looks like it's going to be a competitive series. I'm kind of surprised when Tom Wilson scored that 4-3 goal in the third period. I'm kind of surprised that it was Vegas scoring the next three. Uh, I I didn't expect that happening. I know the last one was an empty net goal and so forth. But, yeah, 1-0 Vegas. They've been very good at home. They continue to be. Washington needs to split this up before they come back home. It reminded me of when you got two tennis players out there and they have these huge cannon serves. Like, who's going to get all the aces? That's yeah. what it started to feel like. It, I just, I'm un, the, the example I used last night on Twitter was a, usually the, the, the Stanley Cup final to me looks like the ending of every Royce Gracie fight. Mm-hmm. You know, he puts him in like some sort of submission. It goes on seemingly for like hours where his legs are wrapped around a guy's like head. And it's like, you got to wait for him to tap out. That's what the NHL, and that's why it's such a tough tournament to win. Because the physicality at this point, after what you've been through, and some some series are more grinding than others. But by the time you've been smashing your head against the wall since, uh, well, if you want to say October, mm-hmm. and you finally get to this point, you've got to hope you have relative health. But now this is the most, the most tired that you are. The most injury prone you could be is now. And now you have to play your best hockey. It's a brutal sport, and it's a very tough tournament to win. So let's take a look at the uh, some of the fireworks because it was actually crazy. We'll get to that Tom Wilson hit, too, and I'm going to ask Dave yep. what, he, what he thinks uh, the ramifications will be. But property of the National Hockey League here was last night's crazy first game of the Stanley Cup Final from Las Vegas, Nevada. Centering pass. Oshie with a quick shot. That's stopped by Fleury. Rebound. Chopped right to Backstrom. Nick Baxter to the blue line. Carlson did well to hold the puck in. Now he's got a backhander and scores! And has a little time as Spiza plays the puck back. Pressure on him. Burakovsky got in and stole the puck for Lars Eller in front. Connolly's shot. There's a big save. Another shot by Orlov. Another big save. And the rebound is sent to the blue line. Not out. Out of the right side. Here's Kuznetsov. Into the pass in front. Not just wide by Tom Wilson as he wiped out into the inboards. Had to take that on his backhand. Here's Ovechkin with a shot. Tipped right on. Clearing at the save. They score. Theodore throws one of the net. Seemingly, Dave, one after the other. And they weren't the prettiest of goals last night, were they? There was just a lot of shoving the puck into the net. They score! Ryan Reeves off the end boards and no set. 
Nosa got the worst of that from Oshie, who continues on. He let the puck go. There's a pass back. Carlson shot off the post. Off the post, and Kitney fires a shot. That's rejected. Loose puck. Great save by Fleury. Back to Braden McNabb. Out to center. Marcheseau. Riley Smith. See, did you hear that? You could hear. There was the hit that we're going to talk about. You could hear that. Looked like it hit the crossbar and fell back down. Theodore. Okay, so they cut out that particular highlight, but we'll get back to it. Smith Kelly, but he couldn't get the puck out. There's a chance to score. Thomas Moser. Rink wide. Backstrip. And on the attack, there's Carlson with a shot. Up high, that's the rebound. Burakovsky couldn't put it in. Vetchkin has to skate back for the puck. Now Oshie moves back in, waits, cross-ice pass, Tom Wilson in front, off the heel of a stick in front of the net. There was the wonderful chance for Lars Eller to tie it up. Gets the puck back, he's got Ovechkin, he tried to pass it, and that's blocked by Thomas Nosek. Uh-oh, there's Russell Graham, he's got Graham's home alone. Dinette. that'll do it. And they're on the ice for the final puck drop. Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, there it is. There is uh, game number one. So there were the fireworks. You know, I've said time and time again that, that I get that Vegas is probably going to uh, do an amazing job of, uh, of in-game in, in, uh, in production. I mean, it is Vegas. They know how to do that. Do you get the stuff they do in the beginning? Like at first, like I don't like the helmet coming down and the music and the the dry ice. Yeah, oh, I fine. get that. Yeah, that's fine. And someone said, "Oh, it's kind of like uh, kind of like wrestling, kind of like WWE." I'm going good <laughs> because the the one thing that 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 Vince McMahon, I guess maybe getting it from his dad, has under always understood. Even though I'm not an avid wrestler fan, I, I don't know a ton about it, but the production value has been almost better than any other sport I can think of. It's why it's so popular. But the sword fight guy, the knight, and the yeah, that could that could go anytime. I thought that was stupid. Um, Who was and, he fighting though? Like, was that supposed to be a a whatever a, uh, a capital a guy of is? A capital, yeah. And it, like, what the hell's a capital? Right? <laughs> so I, I said, I said, you can't even say it's a senator, really, because there actually are yeah, there are senators. senators. Yeah, they're, so they're sitting there, never making the playoffs again. Uh, you know what? I I I thought the first. Part of it, the production value was great. Everything's great about that part of it, but I, I thought it was kind of bush. You know, I, I wasn't a big fan of that. The thing that saved it for me was Michael Buffer. Oh, that was cool. That was really good. Michael Buffer comes out and does that, and I'm thinking, okay, you've saved this production, but instead of all that garbage beforehand and the Royal Knight has to fight through the kings and sharks and jets and this and that. And now their their greatest fear of the East is like, oh, good God. Like, You're actually doing a little uh, the, the Dave Bastel uh, acting that we've come to know from, yeah. from the background yeah. of yeah, movies and shows. I know, I know. I might have to go back to that, too. I, I don't know. I, I know, but uh, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you could have scrapped those first five minutes get to Michael Buffer like when he came out and said the let's get ready to rumble and addressed it like a boxing match I thought okay this is great and then he went on to do the starting lineups and you could see the players actually sitting there smiling and trying not to chuckle when they heard Michael Buffer go a three-time all-star one time this it's Mark Andre you know it's it was he was lining up six boxers on both sides the good and the bad, and uh, yeah, fantastic. I don't think they're going to keep on doing that. No. I think you could do that in a game one, but I don't think you could do that anymore. I was surprised that he was going through the lineup. I yes. wasn't expecting that. And I really only, wasn't and expecting that. And he only that. botched a couple names, which is I great. Th you know what? I thought he did pretty good, yeah. considering the names that, that, that whip across, and he's probably not a hockey freak. No, he's not. A, yeah, I bet you he's not a hockey freak, but he does have, like, when he's doing boxing, uh, what is there, about a million boxers no, well, from, he, from uh, Mexico? From, yeah, and, me and Mexico, Ukraine, and Russia. He, exactly. Yeah. So it's like he's, you know, but he's not familiar with just sitting there going, boom, I know that name, Kruzanetsev. You, you know, it's just one of those things. But I, I miss that, you know, because I miss boxing so much. When I when I hear that voice, in the red corner, and I'm like, <laughs> I used to love that when, you know, Oscar De La Hoya would come out. Oh, yeah. my God, I miss both boxing. Bu both buffers are very good at what they do. Yeah, they are. Because Bruce is very good in the And octagon. different, too, right? And and he has his style. And, and older brother Michael is great in boxing. And, you know, he has the trademark thing. I, I could only imagine. I could only imagine how much that actually cost the Vegas Golden Knights to have him do his 
what was it, four and a half minutes, five minutes? No, it's I, like, wow. I always wonder what it's like, like at like Thanksgiving, and they're sitting there, at, at the, Michael's talking away because he's got a different voice, and saying, uh, hey, pass the turkey. And then the younger brother going, oh, yeah, that's real good. <laughs> oh, what, what, it's time is a big thing? Oh, yeah, and it's, let's get ready to rumble? Fucking jerk, asshole, dick, boys, boys. It's Thanksgiving. It's time. <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of it's time, is it, the, the is, buffers is it? Yeah, the buffers catch it. Global's got it. Fridays yeah, at nine. Yeah. Uh, the hit. Let's take a look at the hit. So here's Tom, uh, little Tommy Wilson. Little Tommy Wilson from Scarborough. Yeah. It's Scarborough, right? Or is it? Or is he considered Toronto? I know he's considered Toronto, but I was trying to think. Is it? He's not sure. Okay. Yeah, like you haven't been to his house, yeah. trick or treating, Russell. Mind you, he's coming across as an Etobicoke guy on this. <laughs> year, so maybe he's a little bit of Russell. Here is what it looked like property of the National Hockey League, and this is entitled "Ouch." Out to center, Marshall, Riley Smith. You can hear that. You hear the air coming out of it. In front, the centering pass. How did that stay out of the net? Looked like it hit the crossbar. Trust me, in the seventies, that's nothing. In the nineteen seventies, that is that's yeah, not even a. That's called the first period. <laughs> exactly. So the play is stopped. Oh boy, another close call for this William Carlson. Maybe a game uh, St. Boniface and everyone's pointing at Bastion. He's going, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're looking at. Just out of nowhere, the puck was gone. Is Wilson getting a penalty or are they just trying to separate him because the Golden Knights saw what happened? Marcia is watching the puck go the exact opposite way. It's already deep into the zone. And you be the judge. How long is that? Oh, yeah, just puck has gone three or four strides there for Wilson. And he just fully committed, and that's a blindside hit that is late. Here's the play at the net. The stick again. Oh, wow, off the oh. head, off the post, off the shoulder, dropped down. Unbelievable. Somehow that one not going in. So let's, uh, let's take a look at that. So... In this circumstance, first of all, yep. before we get to your evaluation, what are going to say? Do we put this in the category of what a Brad Marchand would do? Is yes. this yeah? Yes, yes, we do. So therefore, what what are we looking at? Well, we uh, we have a player that has a reputation, a player that has been sp- uh, suspended in these playoffs already. He's already sat for three games. Uh, we don't see a headshot. We see a shoulder shot, but we see. A blindside hit. We see a player that is uh, is uh, what you call it um, not you know not not ready for the actual shot. So you know you could say blindside. You could say you know defenseless player. I'd say both. Is, They're is, both is, are correct. It's fair to say. Uh, we see that Tom Wilson, as I mentioned, reputation, and we see that it is a star player on the team that's representing the Western Conference. Um, you go through different feeds here. Kerry Fraser, the old referee that um, had the great hair, wrote five-game suspension for interference, instituted a very type of late blindside hit Tom Wilson just delivered. He got a lot of flack for it, saying that was too much. I personally think that's not too much, but I don't think he's going to get that. I think the Stanley Cup final dictates that it's a lower suspension because in the Stanley Cup final, perhaps one game equals two or three. Um, I would be shocked if Tom Wilson doesn't get at least a two-game suspension for this. Uh, I, I think a lot of people sit there and go, two games. Well, that's almost half the series. Uh, when you look at it now with six games remaining, I three agree. would be the half. So. Yeah, I, I would agree. It will be – so if it is two, that's substantial in this small window. Very much so. Yeah, yeah very much so. And uh, in his – you know, if you're going to try to come up, if you're going on the other side, coming up with his defense, I don't know what it would be. Yeah. Because as you mentioned beforehand, and you know, the very the, the, the NHL when it comes to discipline is very much into well, let's let's take a look at his uh, rap sheet. Very much right? so. Right. It's right. All about it, reputation. If he, Russell Wilson or Russell Wilson, it Russell like, Graham, like him, yeah. Russell Graham goes out and does that, they go, Russell Graham, sweet little Russell Graham, the face yeah, of an angel. Not a big deal, right? No, we know the the other. Well, yeah, but the, his record shows us yeah, that. Yeah, so so I just think it's weird at times they go to reputation, but I suppose if you're going to start uh, levying these kinds of you know games and fines, maybe you do have to take a look at the rap sheet. So I don't think it's going to be uh, good for Tom Wilson. And I think in a series where we want to see everyone fly around, it's just kind of a shitty thing to do. It is. It really is. And in, in in the target of it, you can you know we saw the highlight there a couple times. 
the puck was out of his out of his uh, stick area at least three seconds. Like you know, you'd probably have to put a stopwatch to get the exact time. But he, I know he's admiring a pass, but the puck isn't within his range of allowing to be hit. Uh, it's it's completely suspendable. I think it is. I think it will be. And a lot of it has to do with exactly what we just talked about: reputation, blindside, defenseless player shouldn't be happening in a national hockey league team at, at the national level and at the and the level of so many people are watching this that aren't hockey fans and they see that and they go that's that's legal or is that no yeah. it's not yeah it's- i can understand yeah i i get that part in fact we will uh, we'll talk to our good friend paul hendrick at the bottom of the hour actually so in like eight minutes or so and uh, get his take on what he thinks and of course not only that the shuffling amongst uh leaf nation and the Marlies, you know, uh, a Calder Cup final coming up. Uh, so I saw a lot of people getting excited about that, which is kind of cool to see. If you haven't been to the Rico beforehand, it's a pretty cool venue. Like it's a, it's a, the, the, if again, I don't pretend for one moment that, that that this is a junior hockey hotbed in the city, and of course it's not junior hockey. But to to step down as a Leaf fan, do do you go to the games? That's my question. Yeah, if you're a diehard Leaf fan. Should you not be going to these games? Because my thinking is, you know, these faces either, and you know who they are. You've you've seen a lot of the faces beforehand. But this is a chance to uh, look. They've had some really good teams over the years. That that insinuation of the Toronto Marlies in the Rico, even in terms of logistics for a National Hockey League team, it's got to be one of the best, isn't it? Like if you're looking around the league and you you know a lot about this stuff, you know, before where of course you had you know years ago it was Newmarket, then of course it was you know out in Newfoundland. It's it's been all over the place. This makes the most sense, but that doesn't mean you always get uh, geographically that proximity to to bring guys up and down. The mm-hmm. Calgary Flames have been all over the place. I think they're still in Abbotsford, correct? Yes, and that's one of the closest that they've had. Very believe close. it or not, compared to uh, some other ones. Nebraska, they've been in Chicago. Remember the Chicago Wolves? Yeah. I think. They, I mean, this is it wasn't easy to get guys up and down for the Marlies. Now it's a cab ride. Easy peasy. Yeah. You can sit in the same uh, apartment, hotel, condo, and and play for either team, right? So, and a lot of teams are starting to do that. It just makes more uh, physical sense to them. That's why you, uh, a lot of times, you're seeing it throughout sport that you need you need the farm system within a certain range of where the big club is. If you have it in the same city, even better. Winnipeg Jets have their team playing out of the same building. So yeah, see, it's, that's, you know, uh, logos change at center ice from day to day. And it's like, OK, well, that's uh, really easy. And, and it cuts down on a lot of costs for the team as far as travel is concerned. So it, th- there's a lot of positives to it. But you have to have a market that's able to take two teams because a lot of times you sit there and you go, oh, good God, they have a they have a, a WHL team or they want to have one anyway, an AHL team, an NHL team, tons of junior teams. It's it, sometimes it's a little too much, but if you can do it, you do it. Do you think they'll get a team in the dub? Because it makes all the sense in the world. They, like, they it really are, does. There's a, there's a number of uh, companies right now looking at purchasing a couple different Western Canadian teams and bringing it to Manitoba. So I wouldn't be surprised if it sets it up. When I grew up, uh, I, I was a big fan of the Winnipeg Warriors. And the Warriors and the Brandon Wheat Kings always had that rival. The Warriors, of course, moved on. And uh, But, yeah, there there will be a time where a Western Hockey League team will be back in, in Manitoba. I don't know where they'll play. It makes sense it's at MTS, but, um, you know, because there isn't too many buildings that have that 5,000 to 10,000 range. So you, you play them where you got the, the rink, and it's another it's another uh, tenant for uh, a team that's obviously, you know, would, would welcome uh, the money and uh, the hockey team, and we'll see what happens. But. Not surprising. You're watching rawmycritters.com both on the website and, of course, if you've subscribed like a lot of you did yesterday, we had a nice uh, chat with Rob Kerr on the Fan 960 in Calgary. So everyone who has joined us, thanks so much for doing so, so you don't miss anything. So you're probably watching on YouTube, which we like as we uh, go live at 10, p- 10 a.m. Eastern uh, every morning out of the Pacific Junction Hotel in downtown Toronto. Uh, before we get to our good friend uh, Paul Hendrick, uh, I, I just, I, again, of things that I never thought that I would see, guys like Eric Mangini and Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless and, you know, all the NFL, uh, you know, the, the weight of everything that's going on right now in football, they still, not only are talking about uh, Johnny Manziel, they're starting to talk about where he's going to be in terms of the death chart and who's going to start. Now, in my lifetime, did I ever think that was a discussion? Like, preseason football well again on undisputed there it is you've got uh, shannon sharp skip bayless but you've got eric mangini 
who they used to call, well, at one point, Man Genius, mm. uh, didn't uh, stick for as long as he probably would have liked. But here's their conversation once again about Johnny Manziel, not just now about a, a, a CFL-specific uh, conversation. Now it's team-specific. And depth chart, unbelievable. Once again, Curtis, we are friends at ESPN. Talked about his return to the football field. Let's take a listen. I realized the gravity of my situation, though, and that you know I've made mistakes in the past that um, you know I'm not proud of, and there's not a lot of room for it at all. I'm not proud of how you know my time was in Cleveland and the, and the decisions that I made. You know, I felt like sitting here at, at 25 years old versus 21, I look back with a lot of knowledge and, and, a, and a lot of uh, you know regret at the same time. But you know, my personal life, when that's in order, I'm staying positive. Good things seem to happen in a lot of different aspects of my life. So. Um, that's where it starts. Everything else is just, you know, a bonus on, on what I'm doing right in my personal life. We're now joined by FS1 mm. NFL analyst Eric Mangini. Mm. Thank you for being here. But we're going to start this thing with Shannon. Do you expect Johnny to be the backup quarterback this year? I do. Um, Johnny hadn't played football in two years. And I know everybody's saying, well, that's not the NFL. But they still play a high brand of football. We've had some Hall of Famers start up there and end up coming to the NFL and end up going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He hadn't played in two years. Uh, the guy that's the starter has been in this offense for an extended period of time. The biggest concerns that I have for Johnny Skip is June Jones, the head coach, going to let him play off script because that's when he's at his best. If you make Johnny Manziel says, okay, here's the play, and this is what I want you to do, I don't see how jo Johnny is not successful in that style of an offense. If you let him get off script and you say, Johnny, it's okay, He's going to be fine. But Masoli has a, a, a decided head start on him. Mm -hmm. He knows the offense. He's been playing football continuously mm -hmm. as opposed to a guy that hadn't played football in two years and has no idea about, uh, about the offense. This is not like the NFL skip where you draft a guy high, a first-round draft pick, and you know eventually that he's going to play. That's not, what, that's not how it works in Canada. Mm -hmm. You have to beat this guy out in order for you to play. And Johnny needs to learn the <laughs> offense and get reacclimated to playing the game of football, which he's been away from for two years. Well, it's, it's not just a function of learning the offense. It's a function of learning the game. Yes. And Doug Flutie talked a lot about that. It's very different. I saw a game up there last year. There's 12 guys in the field. Everybody's motioning at one, <laughs> at one time. There's only three downs. Now, now what plays to his advantage, the field is wider, wider and the field is longer, so there's a lot of space for him to operate. But he has to beat out Jeremiah Mazzoli, who's been there six years, had a really good season last year. I mean, his numbers, 15, I think it was like 15 touchdowns, five, five picks, mm -hmm. a pretty, pretty yeah. good player, pretty accomplished player. And the question is whether Johnny can operate in that environment and, and be the consistent guy that he's trying to be right now. And that, that's going to be a, a real challenge for him. I like what he says. I like the things that he's done with his life. I, I'm surprised he's not in an NFL camp. I think he's a lottery ticket. Where if you hit on him, you could hit big. But I do think it's going to take him some time to transition up in Canada. And, and whether or not he can stay the course is still a big question mark. That is a big question. But start or no start is no question to me. He's Johnny Football. This is Isn't I that incredible talking about a depth chart on a CFL team on an NFL Hello. show? Well, I'm looking for the spectacular Paul Hendrick. Spectacular. Hey. <laughs> is this how it works, yeah, guys? Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're just on. So if you, I'm sorry if you're if you're yelling at your kids, if you're yelling at your kids or things that you know that that, that life that you pretend that you don't have and you do, uh, we're going to find out. That's how the, that, that's how it works on the internet. <laughs> Mikey, they're not even on the continent, and I'm just out of the shower. So like, you picture that. <laughs> you know what? It's probably not that bad. No. I got to be honest. No, uh, it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, look. Uh, thanks for uh, for taking the call in that sort of uh, excitement. Uh, now, before we get to some of the hockey related questions, which of course there's a lot of them, including the, Mar the Marlies in, in a Calder Cup. Was, it must, oh yeah, it must have been good times. Champions League final. Now, now, did you did you send drinks or any money to uh, the Liverpool a goalkeeper? Because it seemed like. There might be an inference oh. that that goalkeeping wasn't his uh, his first job. I think I sent Percocets. I mean, that was just that was beyond drinks and money. You know, you just want your team to have an opportunity, and that goalkeeper is obviously very good. They're not in that game without what he's been able to do. But 
to give a team like Real Madrid just a sliver, I mean a sliver, and then you got one, you know, from Benzema, and then the last one by Bale. The, the other Bale goal is just outstanding, but uh, we'll take it. I mean, you don't get a chance to cheer on many championship teams. Uh, as you know, you know, you look at Leaf fans over the years. I was 11 the last time they won. Uh, but for that squad over in Madrid, uh, my God, uh, it's just a, a wealth of, you know, of riches, and uh, they just keep going. But they they do kind of have a payroll that allows them to do that as well. So there's no salary cap per se yeah. in football. <laughs> well, you know, Andy, it's funny. I was uh, texting back and forth to my son, who's in uh, in Calgary, and so he's yeah. you know sort of learning the game and learning the international game. And so he texts, he goes, Zinedine Zidane's the manager. I go, yeah. Gareth Bale's on the Gareth Bale's coming off. I said, yeah, <laughs> like it, yeah. It, it. Literally, when you look at it, I have no idea what the actual roster, uh, what the dollar figure is on it. But it is when you yeah. say riches, you're, you're not kidding. I mean, it would be hundreds of millions of, of euros. Oh, I don't know what it would be. That starting eleven for for Real Madrid, it, it, their next eleven uh, would dwarf anything you'd see uh, in in most sports. So. Uh, it's it's fun, and then you look at the reaction in Madrid uh, later that night and the next day, and and and, and you know they're crosstown rivals, and I say crosstown, fifteen minutes away, Atletico Madrid, who won the Europa Cup. Um, it's a good place to be if you're a soccer fan, and and the rivalry between the fans and those two teams uh, uh, within that city is simply amazing. And I've always said it. Uh, I know there's a lot of EPL fans out there, but the best soccer football played uh, in the world is in La Liga. And I know it's a two, three-team dominated league, but on any given day, and Real Madrid proved it this year, they they lost to a lot of bottom dwellers along the way. It's just a good, good league. The weather's generally good, and the money is through the roof. So uh, it, it was fun to watch. Uh, we had a couple glasses of wine, and, and uh, it just really, it was a nice Saturday to blow off a little steam. I bet it was. Now, Leaf fans are kind of, only hoping at, at some point they would be that dominant. Uh, I, I guess yeah. some things that we want to talk about, uh, Kyle Dubas, of course, uh, getting the nod as, as general manager. He's someone, obviously, you get to talk to quite often. There seems to be a lot made of age, but I would say, you know, this is an organization that hasn't made many mistakes. And I think the, to, to think that, you know, maybe, I, uh, maybe there would be a consideration, but I think it's what he has been able to do under their watch, which has gained them uh, hit the confidence they have in making a move like this. So so maybe this wasn't a surprising move. Was it for you? No, uh, it, it wasn't. I, uh, was I shocked? No. Would I have been shocked had, had Mark Hunter stuck around? No, he's a very good guy. But uh, I, I'm not sure what the process was in terms of coming to the decision with Kyle. But the bottom line is he's bright. He's just 32 years of age. He's been under the, the organization's eye for the last four years, done a terrific job with the Toronto Marlies. He's, he's really been at this since the age of 15. So even though 32 is his current age, uh, he, he's been in the business a long, long time, and, and they made a decision, and, and we'll see if it was the right decision. But you look at what the Marlies have been able to achieve. Uh, you look at Kyle's track record. I uh, know the person. Uh, I think he's going to be in good shape. And the other thing is... Uh, He's going to be surrounded by good, good people. It's it's just not Kyle Dubas making the decisions here. There's a team in place, and uh, they're set for this draft. They're going to pick 25th overall, which is a big change from the last few years, uh, and they'll go from there. But uh, you know, the, the cupboards uh, are getting stocked. You look at that current Marley roster and the number of of, of players on that team uh, now that will be full-time Leafs within the next couple of years, uh, you're looking seven, eight players. And, and so uh, Kyle's been responsible for a lot of that. Mark Hunter obviously brought in a lot of that talent. I was really sad to see him go, but business is business. And, uh, and, and I think Kyle's more than able to get the job done as he has proven the last four years and now has been given the keys to the car. And, and, and we'll see where this club's at in the next four years from now. But, it's it's pointing north, Mike and uh, Dave. It's it's pointing straight north, given the talent they've got right now. Yeah, it certainly is, Henny. Good talking to you this morning. Uh, let's talk uh, Toronto Marlies, Texas Stars. Game one goes Saturday afternoon. Game two Sunday afternoon. Uh, both of those games here in Toronto. What should we expect from this series? Obviously, the Texas Stars are the uh, affiliate of the Dallas Stars of the NHL, uh, and uh, the final series of the Calder Cup final. Uh, expectations on this? Do the Marlies keep on rolling? here uh, they seem to be having no problems with the uh, playoffs so far you know they wouldn't say it Dave but I think if, the, if this is the matchup they would have preferred to have uh, that Rockford club is a big big defense 
uh, offensive-minded defense in, but they would have posed, I think, some some problems. Not that Dallas or Dallas-Texas won't, uh, but I think this is the matchup the Marlies prefer to have, Texas Stars as opposed to the Rockford uh, Ice Hogs. And uh, there's four guys in that Texas team that were on the championship team from 2014, uh, Travis Morn, uh, Curtis McKenzie. Uh, these guys have been around, but for the most part, uh, it's a younger team. The goaltender, however, is Mike McKenna, who was in Nets last year for Syracuse and got them to the Calder final against, uh, uh, who was a Grand Rapids. And, and so he's 35 years of age. Garrett Sparks is you know, in his early 20s, uh, certainly much younger. Um, I, I just like the Marley matchup in terms of going against Mike McKenna, who they lit up on several and three occasions last year, head to head in that game. That series that won seven games with Syracuse. So, uh, and Derek Laxtell's the head coach of uh, the Texas Stars, former Toronto draft pick, was in the organization for six years, playing with the Saints and playing with the Maple Leafs. Uh, he's he's going to have a, a bit of impetus to want to see his team win. But I, I think it's a good matchup for, for the Marlies. They had 112 points over the course of the year, best road record in the American Hockey League. Uh, they've proven they can be so tough at home as well. They've won all their playoff games at home, seven straight. Uh, and they, they're going to get the, uh, the advantage again this time around. So uh, I think the city's due for a professional hockey championship, and the Marlies are they're the favorites to get it done. By no means uh, uh, it will, will they be underdogs heading into this one. We're in conversation with Paul Hendrick here on rawmikerichards.com, broadcasting live from the DKI studios in downtown Toronto. You know, you mentioned uh, Garrett Sparks, so, you know, you're, you're starting to talk about a little bit of depth, those that are comfortable mm-hmm. in that league and on that team. So I guess my question, Henny, is that, you know, a lot of talk was made uh, upon Mike Babcock and, of course, uh, you know, the Shanna plan and just sort of the that inference or that feeling that what they would like to create is, you know, very similar to what they had in Detroit all those years where they had players go down and, and as they would say, not just ripen them, but make pick them when they're overripe. Do, yeah. do you see that kind? Is this sort of a, a whiff of the fact that they are at least attempting to have a similar uh, philosophy with Toronto as they did in Detroit? I think so. And, and I know in the past, if you were going to Grand Rapids after having been drafted by the Wings, you're saying, oh, my God, I'm five years down there before I even get a chance. Uh, this current Leaf team had 13 Marley graduates uh, and, a, and a whole slew of them you know, who made it as rookies a year ago. I think what you just described is now starting to happen where, all right, how many jobs are open? Uh, there aren't many jobs. You have to think Kasperi Kapanen is going to make the team. Travis Dermott there as well. Uh, two guys who didn't make the club out of training camp last year. Uh, the other is Andreas Janssen, who looks like a man amongst boys uh, since coming back to the American Hockey League. Uh, he almost certainly has a spot. There's another player, a center, uh, Miro Altman, who's just been fantastic playing on a line with Janssen and, and Carl Grundstrom. And Grundstrom's another guy, depending on what happens with Leo Komarov and how good a camp Carl has that could make the Maple Leafs out of training camp. Uh, so uh, there's there's a group right away that who didn't make it last year who may make it this year, and I think I just mentioned five players. So that's kind of drastic. But beyond that, you look at those top few lines, uh, no one's getting in there. And, and you know, from Meryl Alton's point of view, he came, if he comes up, it might be as a fourth-line center, but he's a very highly skilled offensive guy. And depending on what the Leafs do, off-season free agency, and I'm not even going to hint any which way as to where they're going, but Altman conceivably uh, at age 25 uh, could be a third-line center because he has got such high-end offensive skill uh, and he also plays very well at the defensive end of the ice. And then we'll see what they do at fourth line center. Frederick Gauthier and other guys had a tremendous, tremendous playoff for the Marlies. So there's all sorts of unanswered questions, but all sorts of potential as well. If, uh, if you're a glass half full guy, and that's what I am, uh, that they can go from within the organization, elevate a bunch of these guys. Uh, but it is getting tighter to, to answer your question, Mike, uh, much like it was between Grand Rapids and Detroit. Very few spots open, uh, and I think you're going to see that window shut after training camp coming up this year when we see another influx of Toronto Marlies, high-quality Toronto Marlies, and then we'll go beyond that where uh, it will be very, very difficult to make this hockey club. How busy, Henny, will this club be as far as free agents are concerned? Because you mentioned the graduation of a lot of Marlies. 
Uh, you know, if we're if we're just uh, having a casual conversation, I think I think we're hard pressed if we see a Komarov, a JVR, a Dominic Moore, or a Tyler Bozak back. So there are mm-hmm. openings. Uh, I, I'm not sure if four Marlies are going to replace those four players. So free agent wise, is this team going to do anything on July the first? And would would it be more prone for this team to look at the defensive side of things if there is any options there before they look to replace offense that I just mentioned? Yeah, you're right. I mean, but who's going to be available? I mean, I think anyone worth their salt will have been signed. Yeah. Uh, so you're looking at maybe a second tier, third tier kind of situation. Uh, I know the Leafs would like to get some help on the right hand side. Uh, so you know they're going to look there, and 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 maybe that comes by way of a trade. Maybe free agency is just not going to be able to get it done. So you know the, there's that intrigue as well. Uh, the, you know the top right-handed shot, arguably in the Marlies, is still I think a year away, and that's their first round pick from last June, and that's Timothy Lilligren. Uh, another player who's played exceptionally well, and I know he's been the bane of a lot of fans' existence, but Martin Marincin, he's on the left side, has been arguably their top defenseman, Don't say not their second-best defenseman. <laughs> oh, Dave, just so you know, just so you know, because you're probably, yeah. I realize you're probably nude at this point and, and looking for a towel, but uh, if, you're, if you're watching live on television, Dave made a face, and I, I often... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't like to call He's, Dave. David's out. not alone. I know. <laughs> and Dave, I respect your face. I'm telling, you, I'm telling you, David. He's been so so good. And and as Babcock, Mike likes size. And and Martin's six five, and he's got the long stick and the reach and all that goes with it. Uh, and some defensemen. I'm not saying it's going to happen for Martin, but some develop at later stages. And I just have to mention one name: a former seventh round pick of the of the Leafs, Anton Stroman. The Leafs gave up on him. Calgary gave up on him. Columbus gave up on him. The Rangers gave up on him because he was going to cost him too much. And now he's top pairing guy uh, with the Tampa Lightning. So uh, some take longer to develop than others. I'm not saying Marincin is going to be an Anton Strawman, but at that position, sometimes it takes a bit longer. And, and if he's still around come training camp, he, he's going to get a look and, and his confidence is through the roof right now. This full year with the Marlies has done him the world of good. Now, if there's somebody out there that they might be able to get free agency, and I, I, there isn't a lot, uh, it may have to be done via a trade. But sometimes when you're looking at the economics of what you've got to pay other players, you've got to pay the other tier uh, certainly lower. I mean, the Blackhawks were masters of getting that done. Uh, and maybe a Marincin, that type of player fits in. Uh, maybe one of those Marley forwards fits in because they fit into a pay structure given what they're going to have to pay, obviously, the big three over the course of the next couple of years. Well, it's a, a Stanley Cup final that I did not see at the beginning of the year, I'll be honest. No. Now, for for those who have always been on Washington, and look, for some years there's been an absolute reason for that. They, you know, have won the President's Trophy. Uh, they were teams that were heavily favored because it was it was figured that at some point that window does close. And we know that happens in yeah. all sports. At some point uh, that that opportunity closes. They, they've done it a different way this year. <laughs> they, they have become more of a hunter than the hunted, and maybe they're more comfortable in their own skin doing that. I, I, I can't say. But the more crazy story... The, the Vegas Golden Knights, I really yeah. have no equivalent. And it's funny, I was talking yesterday on, on Calgary Radio on, on the Fan 960, and they said, well, w- w- what is the equivalent? I said, well, unless you want to go to Leicester, but even even saying that Leicester, how crazy that was when when they won the Prem, but at least that yeah. organization existed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were a club before they did that. This There was no team. Now, I realize they have to win for the now. We know that you know Vegas is going to start hosting NFL games, and you, you better have a winner uh, on the ice. But there's no way I, I don't think anyone could have predicted something like this. No, and full credit to George McPhee and his staff, Mike. I'll tell you, the year before you know, the, the expansion draft, uh, he and his staff were in every rink, every game. They, they knew every team inside out. So when the time came to pick the players they needed to pick and the contracts that went with them, they were so well-versed. They were the only expansion team. There wasn't, you know, this wasn't being divvied up by two. Plus you wanted the national hockey league to make sure that one of these Southern franchises gets off the, thing to cheer about what happened here this year was beyond first line guys third line guys not fourth line guys and we're talking second parent 
suspension. He was the seventh defenseman for Washington, got into a starting role against the Leafs in the, uh, the spring a, a year ago. But he was light so quick, uh, got all that experience with the Capitals, and he's a hell of a hockey player. He's a really nice surprise. But they've got a bunch of good hockey players. they got a goaltender. This isn't Flurry's first time at the dance. Mm-hmm. So they had access to a lot of these players. But full credit on the scouting that they did. And, and, and the honeymoon's going to last a little while here. But then eventually they're going to be in a situation where players are going to be owed a lot of money. Yeah. And, and you know what? The league, they, hey, Jonathan Marcheseau, Tampa had him. Didn't have room for him because they had too much talent. Florida had him. Didn't want to pay him. And they've got some talent coming up. They let him go. He's a heck of a hockey player. He's like he's a Yanni Gord kind of hockey player. Short, stocky, Quebec trained, highly intelligent and, and, and skilled. Uh, now he's found himself a home uh, in, in Las Vegas. And these are these stories happen. But George McPhee and his staff, they knew exactly what they were doing and good on them. And if they're able to win this thing, uh, that'll be fantastic. The other thing is their game ops, as you know. Uh, I thought it was great when we were there New Year's Eve. Well, they've multiplied that by 100. It's just through the roof fantastic. That that alone is worth going to a game is to see what they're able to do off the ice to keep those fans entertained. Well, uh, Henny, I think for the first time in my 30-year career, I'm going to end an uh, interview with saying, and now you can put your clothes on. I, uh, yeah, you know <laughs> I, 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 don't, I think this is a first. I got I, I'm in my business socks, my briefs, and I didn't keep it brief. But hey, the last time we talked, guys, was October fourth in Winnipeg. She's an opener, and uh, man, it's just flown by. Oh, hasn't it though? Yeah, it certainly oh, has. No. Hey, thanks for doing this. Enjoy your summer, pal. Hey, Mike, and you too, David. And Mike, continued help. Okay. Oh, it's great. Thanks, Henny. I appreciate that. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, guys. That is uh, the one and only Paul Hendrick, and one of the uh, you know when you look at the all-time good guy team. He's on it. He's on it. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he he's fantastic. Just so knowledgeable and uh, and very, apparently very uh, flexible when it comes to uh, taking a call and doing an interview. That was uh, pretty funny. We apologize for some of those weird uh, little uh, digital little uh, blips. Blips, but that's uh, okay. But we got through it. That was so great to, to to get him on the air today. You're watching RawMikeRichards.com, either on the website or of course the dedicated YouTube channel, which a lot of you uh, started to subscribing to. So where have you? See it at the bottom of that corner, wherever the head is. Just hit subscribe. We appreciate that. And welcome all our new uh, friends uh, from Calgary, Dave, that uh, actually realize that we're doing this. That's awesome. Yeah, always <laughs> welcome. And uh, like you said, please subscribe. That's the way to do it. That's the way to get more of us to them and so forth. Wanted to give a quick shout out here before we move on to another subject. Uh, big shout out to our friends at DraftKings. I was part of their media draft game one contest uh there were 25 media people invited uh throughout canada and uh i finished third place so i won a uh, hundred dollars uh, of my choosing to give to a charity and did you have to uh, give it to a charity because yeah it's part of the rules i know <laughs> i have like I know. I was yeah. disappointed. I always say charity starts at home. That's what I always say. Uh, that's you know what? Uh, there's there's nothing like the human fund. Uh, but yes, uh, so yesterday, <laughs> uh, third place out of twenty five hundred bucks going to charity. Uh, Ovechkin, Carlson, uh, Carlson for Washington. Orloff, Tom Wilson who actually scored a goal, and Nate Schmidt were my players. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking to them a little bit later on this afternoon to figure out where those funds are going. Cool. Uh, the one thing that you know we, we talked about uh, uh, the amount of of talk, CFL talk, Johnny Manziel talk, Hamilton Tiger Cat talk on outlets like ESPN, Fox, uh, NFL Live, Undisputed. We saw them again today. You know, I came across this thing, and I think these guys call themselves destroyed. They went to last year's Labor Day, you know, the the, the the home and home with the Blue Bombers. So it was that open, that that big game they had in uh, in the new Mosaic. I think, is it still Mosaic? It is, the, right. The, the I new think building? it is, yep. Yeah, so it's, here's what I think is interesting. For the years that, that we have covered the CFL, and TSN has done a great job. I mean, the, the TSN has literally propped up the CFL and, and kept them relevant. But the one thing that I think I do miss, and I think the one thing that, if anything that we've learned, certainly Dave and I have about you know being on the web, is 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 having sort of up close and personal, and not so much the staged Dave professional camera, just like really cool shots that you can relate to, stuff that that's really off the cuff. Here are two guys. Now is it called Destroyed? Uh, I want to make sure that 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 I I, I get who what their website is because they're from the states. You can't uh, you can't read it. 
I think it's called uh, destroyed. Anyway, destroying. So they're just two guys who have uh, this 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 huge following, but they're American. So they decide that they're going to go and see a CFL game. Well, if you're going to see a back to back. Uh, I would suggest that back-to-back with Winnipeg is pretty pretty awesome. Yep. That game last year in Saskatchewan was crazy. As I'm watching it, I remember tweeting out pictures, and I tweeted it to uh, to uh, Sean Salisbury, who obviously played for the Blue Bombers here, USC guy, you know, played for Minnesota. I said, I never thought, Dave, in my lifetime, that I would see a game that looks like this that was a CFL game. Hmm. You have to remember the stadiums that we came from when we were kids. Like Some of them were just kind of thrown together. I mean, think of what Taylor Field used to look like. The one thing I like about this is what they were able to capture with just now, obviously, a phone and everything that we have, including the handheld. Get a load of the footage from this game. As they said, and everyone, all the comments down below, they said, you know what? Maybe Canadian football isn't what we thought it was. And one guy said, I think I wouldn't mind playing Canadian League football. Here is a taste of what they got up close and personal. I thought a great job by destroying. Look at and listen to this thing. This is awesome footage. They couldn't believe the noise, how loud it was. See, we never used to see that in CFL games simply because the stadiums, Dave, were barely big enough to have a Canadian flag. But look at this. Incredible. Fans uh, booing uh, is it Gamer the Gopher. Got it. I can't settle down. Anyway, I just wanted to show you just a, a part of, of of really what I think cool footage is. Best part Be- about that, what the Bombers did to the Rough Riders on their first game in, in their new stadium. Smacked them around. See, I see once again that Dave Bastel has, <laughs> has gone back to a point of interest for him. It wasn't that piece. It was whatever was in his memory oh, yeah. that was Bobber-related. Love it. Anytime I have an argument with a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan, I got way too many friends that are Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans. Game one was a loss. If it, you're a Riders fan in Calgary, there are two. There's a quarter of a million flatlanders a, in that city. That's massive. That's even. That's that rival, and I hate to say this, that rival, I think rivals what Saskatchewan Winnipeg does, just because of how many how many Regina oh, t- t- product, uh, how many Saskatchewan natives are in. Calgary. Well, the Henry Burris thing, that was... That, uh, well, that, that kind of sent it off to another level, exactly. Yeah, that got a little nasty. Uh, speaking of football, you know, a lot of people wonder what it's like. I mean, we see workouts. We see we see, see uh, pro day. You see combines. Obviously, you watch it on Sundays. Here is a staffer from the Baltimore Ravens. He calls himself Average Joe. But he's just a guy on the staff. He just wanted to show and, and mic up and also put the little helmet cam on, what's it like to catch passes from Joe Flacco? The kind of routes that they would run in working out, in practice. What would it be like? Can he catch the ball? So once again, courtesy of uh, the NFL, property of the NFL, and the Baltimore Ravens, here's what it looks like. Do you think you'd catch one, Dave? Do you think you'd catch it? Yes. So do I. What about Russell? Ryan no. no. Hey, average Joe, here to catch passes from this guy, the real Joe Flacco. And Joe, since he had the knee injury coming off of that, people are wondering how good is the arm? I think we're about ready to find out. You ready to go? The question's if you're ready. <laughs> I'm good. I'm not sure, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do it. Sit up. Here we go. Oops. 
Good. Good. Head around, Ryan. <laughs> Did I? Woo! Joe, how likely is it that you're going to want me to be one of your receivers after this? Zero percent. <laughs> Oops. So what do you say to a receiver if they drop a pass like that? A lot of stuff to myself in my head. Ah! <laughs> Gotta sell out. Gotta sell out. Look what you did to the grass. I sometimes wondered if I could get through a practice. You couldn't. Our practices, two and a half, three hours, I'm not sure you would. All right, last go. Last chance to make He said not one positive thing to this kid. Yeah, right? Here we go. Get up. Look at the basketball treatment. There we go. Yeah. Woo! There we go. All right, Joe. How'd I do? Not bad. It was tough getting used to hitting you. I don't know if I'm going to be able to hit my receivers now. <laughs> I'm going to be used to your 5.540 speed. But, uh, <laughs> That's generous. Other than that, it wasn't bad. <laughs> that is uh, pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I, I think of all the, the guys that I've known over the, over the years, including some of the quarterbacks, I don't think now, it's really weird to think this, I don't think I've ever had one of them throw to me. Have you ever had that? Uh, like, think of all the guys you, that you, that you not, actually had conversations with. No, nothing. Nothing like that. I have a good story, though, that's similar to this. Now, now Joe Flacco was not throwing hard. No. First of all. So that those should have been like eight catches or however many throws he got. <laughs> Second of all, I, I, it's a funny story. There is an old camera guy I used to work with. Well, not old. He, I guess right now he's probably in his... He's probably in his early 60s, but he was around for Matt Dunnigan, Winnipeg Blue Bomber. And uh, he tells me, obviously, I wasn't working at the time because uh, I, I was still in school and so forth. But he tells me a story about how, how Matt was walking off the sideline and Randall, his name's Randall Paul, gave him one of these. And, and Matt asked him, are you sure? No. And he said, yeah. It's not going to be a good story. And he said he threw him a bullet straight at him. <laughs> and Randall actually caught part of it, but the football made a mark on his oh, chest God. because he never it went right through. He never yeah. grabbed. No. And, and he said he'll never forget that because his hands hurt and he had a mark on his <laughs> chest from a Matt Dunnigan bullet from about... He says it's about 20 yards. So that that I could believe because Dunnigan used to throw oh, yeah, rockets. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody talks about uh, Brett Favre doing cross patterns from 10 yards to like Mark Chimera or something like that. And they were just like, <laughs> and you couldn't see the ball. Dunnigan was the equivalent of Brett Favre in the CFL, the way he used to throw the ball and how good Matt. And Matt Dunnigan might be one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game in the CFL and as far as speed is concerned and speed balls are concerned, I don't know if there was someone fast. You know, I, I would be curious to see how fast Dieter Brock threw that ball. Because Dieter, Dieter had a tendency of throwing long, too. He and he, but when he <laughs> he had that sidearm yeah. uh delivery. God, I loved watching you know what? I I loved watching him play. He like, was cool. We should get him on the show. Oh also. my god, I'd freak out. I'd, yeah. I've never talked to him. Yeah, I, I I got a couple connections. We'll see if we could work that out. Um, but uh we should, speaking of CFL. Uh, Rod Peterson, uh, the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for 20 years. He enters his 20th season. He'll join us on Thursday. So we're going to get the up-close look at how well is Zach Caleros playing in camp? Uh, what's the optimism? Because there's a lot of people, and you can see it on Sports Interaction now, the Rough Riders have moved into the category of the Bombers of winning the West. Calgary is first. There's a slight second in Edmonton, yeah. and then... Winnipeg and Saskatchewan are now be, tied. I, I I agree with that, and I also saw it was the kid uh, Watford out there. I guess he was uh, in the Philadelphia Eagles camp. He looked in the, again exhibition game. Take from sure, a, what exactly. you will, but exactly. if but but for me, if I'm a, the coaching staff, just just run the play properly, run the route properly, and put the ball where it's supposed to go. Yeah. Now I'm not saying it's the Grey Cup, but if you can do that, then it gets back to that conversation you heard with Shannon. You got to beat guys out. Yeah. I you know. I have to beat a guy out to do that. So I, I thought that was real interesting. And you got to weed them out, just like you said, because there are a lot of training camp heroes that happen in sport, football, hockey, baseball, that all of a sudden it's like you're blistering for two, three weeks and you're looking great. And then when the regular season comes, yeah. So, uh, 
you know, mentioning the uh, the in game or or game ops as uh, as Henny talked about. They had the drummers there last night with yes. the, the now that wasn't bad. Like if if you get rid of all the acting and all the the Game of Thrones stuff or whatever they they think they're doing, get rid of that. But then I I, I thought maybe I can help them out. Maybe maybe I could get them better drummers. Okay. And for better drummers, Dave, you know you got to go only one place, and that is Russia. <laughs> there are no feminists in Russia. Watch what they do. Who cares about Neil Peart? Ladies and gentlemen, your Vegas Golden League. See, because you'd be mixing like the Spearmint Rhino and the hockey team at the same time. I'm not saying the drumming is is impossible. It's not exactly Neil Peart, but so what? Look at Russell really walk. Look how close his face is to the screen. There you go. There you go. Wow. Yeah, they, they got some options there if Vegas wants to bring those guys in. Sure they do. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, do we want to see any of Steph Curry? I think we know what happened. Do you I wanna... think we know what happened. By the way, the yeah. last it, time... It, it, and he was insane. <laughs> By the way, the last time LeBron James wasn't... In an NBA final, Game of Thrones hadn't even started <laughs> season number one. I'm just saying. So that put, that into perspe- put that into some perspective of how long it's been. And the Winnipeg Jets were still the Atlanta Thrashers. That's right. You know what? In hearing that conversation, when you start talking about Atlanta Thrashers, yep. I'm like, Atlanta? <laughs> I, had to th- I honestly had to think about it. Oh, right. Uh, Evander Kane and... Yep. Uh, uh, the heater was there, right? And, you bet. Uh, and I was like, "Oh, Kovalchuk was there." Sure, he was drafted by him. And I'm like, oh, "Okay, now I kind of." But God damn, does that seem like a long time yeah, ago? Yeah, because you, you know what's funny when people talk to me about Atlanta hockey, my first my first think is Atlanta Flames. What the, but, but that's what I did but, too. And that's so long ago. That's like 40 years ago. But it's like I don't think thrash. I even saw a couple Thrasher games because I, I I had to cover the Leafs a couple times when they were in Atlanta, and it's right in that CNN Center uh, where where half the stadium or half the arena is is you can't sit in, so you can only sit right three quarters. And that and that wall is where the media sits, and 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 they have the buildings. And it wasn't the that. Omni, was it? Was it the Omni in Atlanta? It's part of the Omni. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what it was called at the time, but you know, because you go through so many name changes. And by the way, speaking of name changes, this building over here in our backyard changes in about a month. It's not no longer going to be Air Canada Center in thirty days. It's going to be the Sco- was it Scotia Bank Place or Scotia Bank Arena? Scotia Bank Arena. Scotia Bank Arena. July first, which is going to yeah. be weird. Uh, that, yeah, we're about a month month and a couple days away from uh, the renaming. Of yeah, it. and there it's going to take a while for people. I mean, look, do we still say Sky Dome? Sure, we do. Yeah, sometimes we, yeah, we say it because we're trying we, to be funny. Yeah, we want to. Uh, before we go, uh, I know there might be some people who say, "Well." You know, from time to time, you're you know you're showing uh, you know sexy drummers, you sexy talk show hosts, and sexy weather girls. I mean, seriously, what does it take to be a sexy weather girl? You think it's easy? You think it's easy just to do what they do, what we show from Romania and Russia? Well, I'll tell you, it's not easy. You just watch. See, she's saying hi. She's practicing say how to say hello. So again, not not easy. Приветствую вас, с вами Феличия Сырбу. Во вторник Запад. Все, Кристина, ворба, может такое старуп? Hi. See, she booted the opening. Oh yeah. See, there's there's dan- dance moves you got to do. Come to far to be far. Молдовы пады. Так и ну. Pretty language. Oh, language, strength. Look at that. Russell, do you like that? Do you like the strong girls? He can't even talk. 
We should maybe stop showing these. Si, ayo date yete noin. Kishinyove perimena e oblachna sevriminalne. See, Dave, you know I like this. I like, I like her. Buti vnimatelni tako koru. Is this an addition? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, she doesn't. She, she probably could. She could. Oh, definitely could. Yeah, there you go. So next time you want to make fun of people, saying that. Yeah. See, look at that. That's that's. that's that's what it takes to do the weather. The saying hello and the laughing and the yep. dancing. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yes, I do. It's time. There's the other buffer. That was pretty cool. So was having our good friend Paul Hendrick. I, I believe in the nude. I don't know. Uh, I, I can honestly say that I know of that I've ever interviewed a, a person of substance, which obviously uh, Henny mm-hmm. is. And, and admitted that they, they indeed were not wearing claws. So that uh, that was the first. Let's the See, ironically, there is his brother's call line mm. done by Volbeat. Uh, Look at that. Right. See what we're doing today. We will continue tomorrow with uh, fun and excitement and Russell Graham's Forbidden Dance of Love. So that's good.